You control the guy or the woman who runs the run, run brings out the carts on, 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 on a forklift. It's time for the Buff Show. One hundred year. Look, here's the lives. It's just. It's. A, I mean, you think about it. And no idea what you said, Joe, but we understand the Buff Show. Deeply held by uh, by a president. Stop moving that that that, that, that uh, you know. Call. That's a teleprompter, Joe. We'll take it from here. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. And here's your host, Matt Buff. Welcome to the Buff Show, AM 950, 94.9 FM. The answer, Orlando. Matt Buff, your host here in the Liam Fitzpatrick studio. Great to have you along with us. Don't forget to join us for the Freedom Expo. Freedom Expo Expo, the 26th of March here with Sebastian Gorka. Myself, Christopher Harden, Carl Jackson. It's going to be a fun time. Get your VIP tickets at the Answer Orlando. we got a lot of big stuff to talk about today. Let's bring on Doug Collins here, former leader of the judiciary. And now you can follow him on the Doug Collins podcast, the Doug Doug Collins podcast.com. Doug, thanks for joining us on the show. Hey, man, it's great to be with you today. Oh, it was fun seeing you in CPAC. So, hope you had a good time down there. (laughs) Oh, we had a ball. That was probably that, that, that grouping was probably one of the best we had all day. It was fun. Okay, very good. There's so much to talk about with you today, and um, I want to talk about something that happened just last night about 2 a.m. All right, the house the house is doing an ominous bill for 1.5 trillion dollars. They meet at midnight, right? They put the thing together with like 2,700 pages, and they expect everybody to vote on it today. Yep. Don't you? Didn't you guys have committee hearings or something like that in the past? Wait, wait, excuse me, committee hearings? Nancy Pelosi? Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah, she threw that out a long time ago. Look, a lot of this has been building over time. Uh, the Democrats, you know, have been, this is the most amazing thing. The House is a majoritarian rule body. They should, Democrats should be able to put any bill they want and pass it. This shows you how problematic their spending bill is, because just as AOC said yesterday before this, not this 2,700-page monstrosity came out, she said, well, I don't vote. On, I want to break it up. I don't vote for de- for defense spending. In other words, I don't vote for our troops, but I want to send money to the Ukraine. So all of this got messed up in it. But yeah, they're expecting it to be voted on today. Uh, it'll be pretty well. It might not be as party line, depending on what they did with the Ukraine, uh, how they finally end up doing the Ukraine money. But this is the problem we have, Matt. This is why Washington is broken. I got you a statistic here. There's been, I think, three times in 50 years almost that there have actually been the budgets passed on time as the budget control asked for. Even in Washington, D.C., that's broken. It's so corrupt and broken. I've been watching uh, videos from people that are active in Congress. They wake up this morning, and they're like, how are we supposed to read all this and vote on it today? I mean, what kind of country do we have where we just do stuff at 2 in the morning? You said Nancy Pelosi's been doing this for a long time. It's like they're just hiding something, Doug. They're hiding $1.5 trillion in there it's worth of look, garbage. Matt, how can you be? I mean, can you say you want to actually know where we spend our money? I mean, come on. No, but look, I'm going to be very critical of both sides. We did this as Republicans, too, and we were furious about it when it happened. But at the end of the day, the system, and this is where it gets into a larger discussion. It's not just the members. It's the staff that drive this a lot of times on appropriate. And remember, they're not elected. They're there as long as they're hired. Most of them have been on the Hill for 20 or 30 years. They like to do things the, the same way. Just like, you know, everybody gets accustomed to having their same 
same cup of coffee, maybe a donut in the morning, whatever. These appropriation staffers like to do it the same way. And they get very close. And here's the biggest problem. They get very close to the agencies that they're, quote, supposed to oversee. So, and I'm going to use a fictitious name here. Jim in Appropriations Committee gets to know Susie and Bill down at the Interior Department. And they start saying, well, yeah, I agree, Jim and Susie. Y'all need that money. So they begin to move it in. And, and, and even sometimes members don't get the chance to, to call it like they should. But when we do omnibus bills like this, this is exactly the problem. Problem. The only good about the omnibus bill is if they pass it, the military and some others will be able to now unlock long-term spending. Uh, I, for one, am in the Air Force Reserve. I can't get my active duty orders con uh, confirmed for the end of this month until this bill actually passes because they don't have the money right now. It's just, why can't we just pass those things individually? I guess that's the common sense thing in me. I mean, that, that would be great. But let me ask you this real quick. Go behind the scenes a little bit. Yeah. Who who writes the twenty seven hundred pages? I mean, who where does all that come from? Okay, a lot of it is like writing, like picking up the novel from the previous year. Okay, so a lot yeah. of it. This is the problem we've had. Many of us have wanted to start back at zero based budgeting or go through the process. Take you know these. There's twelve appropriations bills. Let's take these three this year and zero them out, and then let's make sure everything needs to go back in that needs to. Then the next cycle we do three more. But really, what it is 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 the bill already starts at say two thousand pages. It's sort of whatever was before. And here's the problem in D.C. It's say, let's say we here's the floor. Then we'll say, well, let's add 4% and go on. Well, we never cut 4% and then add back on. So a lot of this is done in staff. Now, to their credit, they did have appropriations hearings. They did go through this in a general format in the bills. But when it comes down to the final bills, you're not sure what actually gets added. And this is when it gets uh, very concerning because things can get added at the last minute you don't find out about until after the fact. Well, that's what hurts Republicans so much because they might vote for something to pay, protect the VA or military benefits. Like you said, you might go in there and vote for it. And then it comes out two weeks later that some big Green New Deal thing was in there yep. and you're going to get hammered on that. So, I mean, it's just a matter of time and energy at that point. It is. You know, there's always a saying, and you know, and I voted for some omnibus bills that we had put forward because I had worked on some issues, just like you said, was it, it's sort of like, you know, it's, it's, uh, good around the edges, but rotten in the, in, or in the core. And we saw a lot of that sometimes, but that's the unfortunate way that the appropriations process is playing out right now. And what we've got to do is get members back in control. And I know that that rubs some people the wrong way, but when members have the input to say, look, you know, in my district, the money, here's what most people don't understand. There's a, they, they start out with a parameter. Let's just say 1.5 trillion. And then they pour everything into that 1.5 trillion. They don't come along on like if I said I need this spender, we need to take out. They don't go over the 1.5 because those are numbers that are set. But we don't have members who take a deep dive and say, hey, why is this project still being funded? Why, why are we putting like, for instance, I think at one point in time, there were 12 different agencies in the federal government that dealt with low income housing. There should be one, not 12. What do you recommend they do? They, should they just kind of start over? Let's take a year yeah. pause here and start all over. Two things need to happen. I think first off, Matt, well, number one, they need to go to a buy, what we'll call biennial budgeting. In other words, I think they should go to a two year cycle on budgeting instead of doing this every year. And we run into this every September 30th. Oh my God, the government's going to shut down. Life goes bad. And let's do it two years. Let's make a two year budget. Then the second thing is having more member involvement and, um, and how that actually gets done. But then the third thing that I actually would recommend is what I said earlier. 
let's go to a sunset provision, even if it took 12 years. Let's take the, you know, like the defense bill. Let's take the interior, you know, public works and zero them out. Let's say you agency, you come to me, give me, you know, your, your budget uh, that you currently have. What do you need? And then we zero it and we start building back in. That's the only way we're going to start because, I mean, up until recently, the Department of Defense has never, they couldn't even audit their books. Give me a break. Yeah, no, not at all. And a budget to the Democrats? Come on. <laughs> they haven't pulled one out. Three years. Yeah. This, this is the Three. fourth. Yeah, this is the fourth year yeah. of Pelosi. They've not even done a budget. Not not at all. I didn't mean to get into the weeds, but I think a lot of listeners knew you were coming on, wanted to hear about some of the processes oh, yeah. that you guys went through. So that's a that's a great thing. I mean, we could talk. I mean, everybody's talking about Ukraine. What's the big story on your podcast? Is it gas, Ukraine? Gas. Uh, one of the things, I, my podcast today, that. and today it'll drop around four o'clock, go to this. I just, I just was tired of the spin. So what we did is we took the arguments. I mean, when yesterday, when Joe Biden said, you know, you know, I can't do anything about gas prices, blame it on Putin. Here's the spin. Here's the underlying fact. And I talk about this on the podcast today. They want you to now to not remember the last year where gas prices went up well over a dollar, dollar and a quarter with no sign of war. They're now using this as the old Democrat adage, no good crisis, go to waste. They're saying, we're going to blame this on Putin. People are, are, are not going to be smart enough to realize it was going up before. And then they'll continue to push this Green New Deal initiative. We talk about that. I lay out the, the falsehoods that and the distortion spin that Saki has been doing concerning oil leases and um, you know the, the greedy oil companies. We put together a very nice timeline. Everybody check us out on Twitter. We put it right there on Twitter. You can see it. That timeline that Doug's talking about, we put it out in picture format so it's easy for the liberals to understand. And uh, so you can see that timeline. The blame game is something that they've done since Biden was there. I mean, it's just <laughs> always a blame. It's always somebody else's fault. Now they got Putin to blame. But it, if you really look at it, it's it's not the it's not what's happening. Can Congress do something? Uh, well, you know, it'd be vetoed. You can't force his hand on the leases and the green and the red tape. You can't force the hand of uh, the the administration. And they just said he said it like you just mentioned a little bit ago, right out outside of uh, the event. He was in Texas. Somebody shouted out the question, Doug. They shouted out the question, what can you do about the gas? Oh, not much. Nothing. Not much. Well, well and, and, and the good part, well, let's let's take that in a positive. You know, my mom always said be positive. Well, I'm going to take positive. At least he answered the question. At least we didn't see his back, you know. Um, but, I, <laughs> you know, the, the big problem here, though, is, is, and I go into this on the podcast as well, my concern is where we're having to look. I think he could come forward and be a president, be a leader, and say, look, we're going to do away with Russian oil, which they did the Russian ban, which Congress is going to do anyway. And I think they could even cut back on some of the others and say, but look, it's going to take us about six months to a year to really get started. But we're going to input and put all of our emphasis on our American energy, our oil and gas. We're going to get them back up and growing even further than where they are. And at the same point, we're going to encourage also, you know, clean initiatives, air, wind, solar, nuclear. Why aren't we dealing with nuclear? I have no idea. Right. It's clean. It is. And Europe uses it. And we, you know, we always want to, you know, liberals always want to say, we want to be like Europe. Well, let's be like Europe, put nuclear in there. But yeah. instead of being a leader, he's, he's, he's now going, he's doing the, you remember the Obama uh, apology tour back in 08, 9, 10, the apology tour. We're now oh, yeah. on a hat in hand tour. 
Biden's administration is going to Venezuela. Can you believe this? They're going to Maduro in Venezuela to beg for oil. They're going to Iran. Even Russia and China just said, I can't believe the, the concessions that Iran is getting from America and then going to Saudi Arabia. That's where I they think want to I, I, I know. I think it's just remarkable. I think Iran's going to put the oil. Uh, I think they're going to put an oil deal with the nuclear deal. I think they're going to do that. Hey, we'll sign your nuclear deal, but where you're going to buy X amount of oil and you know Biden's going to sign that. It's unreal. Yep. And you know what's going to happen there? And you know what the world needs to be aware of? Every dollar we give Iran is a dollar that goes toward destruction of Israel. Absolutely. Not a question. Very plain about that. Yeah, you have to. That is a, that is exactly a fact. 100%. So, and, and they're dirty oil. And then we buy that. And then it goes to killing uh, Israelis. Not That's not what we got to do, especially when we have the Anwar province. We got the, we got the capabilities here. Just unlock the public lands. That's all we exactly. have to do. Exactly. Lightning round real quick with you. Lightning round real quick. Do you see the big red wave coming? Do you think we can overcome like we did in Virginia? Yes, I think we can. We're going to have to stay focused and we got to quit just depending on being ours or and say, oh, we're going to be in Joe Biden bad. We got to actually get out there and give ideas and then be willing to put those ideas in place. So it's not just about bashing the Democrat policies. You got to give ideas. Yep. What are the top three committee hearings you want to see with the new Congress? Is it Hunter? Is it what do you, what are the top three ones you want to see? Well, the, the top three is as far as from an oversight perspective. Yeah, the Hunter issue, yeah. I think, finally, that was something that I started when I was there. We need to continue that focus. Number two, I want to know about uh, the whole issue of the COVID situation with Fauci, with NIH, and the and the connection to uh, China. And then the last one that I want to, to see is the connection with DOJ and the what I see is a, a turning on the American people uh, by DOJ where they become a very much of a political arm of the White House. No, absolutely. That's Those are some of the top of our list, too. Doug Collins, thank you for taking the time today. We look forward to getting you back. There's so much we got to cover. Matt, let's do it all the time, okay? All right, sounds good. We'll do that. You guys stay with us on the bus show. We'll be right back. Liam Fitzpatrick's Restaurant and Irish Pub in Lake Mary. Happy hours every day of the week and all day Sunday. $1 off drafts and house wines. $2 off well liquors. And Liam Fitzpatrick's has tons of special events. Tonight, live music. Tomorrow, it's Taco Tuesday on Thursdays. Live music and specials all night on tacos, tequila, and margaritas. Liam Fitzpatrick's does catering and has a private room for your meetings, luncheons, and parties. Mention The Buff Show and get 10% off your order. Liam Fitzpatrick's Restaurant and Irish Pub in Lake Mary. LiamFitzpatrick's.com Hey, you may have heard radio show hosts talking trash on solar. Yes, even conservative talk show hosts. There was a silly comparison to trucks running 10,000 miles, carbon emissions, and panel production. It came off as like a liberal argument against a liberal problem. Shallow knowledge as opposed to experts in the field. Politics, global warming, and other environmental concerns aside, the number one reason to buy solar is simple math. Have you looked at your power bill? It has risen in the last five years. How much more will it go up in the next five years? It's a rigged game and all solar energy empowers you to stop playing a rigged game. A solar electric system freezes your costs and shields you from upcoming rate increases. 
If you choose to finance a solar electric system, the payment on a system that zeroes out your bill is typically less than your current power bill. This is simple math. Call All Solar Energy in Longwood tomorrow at 866-412-4218 or online at www.allsolarenergy.com. More information on this later in the show. Welcome back to the Bump Show, AM 950, 94.9, The Answer Orlando, and this is the best of CPAC Radio Row on the Buff Show. Great to be rolling along with you, and we got a couple awesome patriots here. Jim Rubens is a uh, post-New Hampshire state senator. I looked you up, man. You did yeah. a lot of great stuff in New Hampshire I, politics. I think, for such I think a so. Blue area. You did such a good job. Well, we're a purple state, but that's why we're here. Because of you, it's a purple state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, purple, purple to the right side. Yeah, so no, that, that's a good thing. We, I think so. Yeah. So I'm here for American Promise, and uh, and Alan's here for American Promise, AmericanPromise.net. We'd like yeah. to see a 28th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution to restore power to the states, like New Hampshire, to block out-of-state, uh, blue state money from infecting our local politics. I ran for U.S. Senate in 2016. Yes. 132 million bucks, 95% of it from out-of-state, and it's stripping uh, the power of local voters to determine their policy preferences, their issues, their candidate preferences, and it's supplanting those local viewpoints under federalism for the viewpoints of people like Mike Bloomberg from New York, from California, and from uh, from D.C. And it's 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 destroying federalism. It, We're going to fix it with the Twentieth Amendment. It's what they call dark money. And dark money. You hear this term all the time, and you know liberals use it too. They call it dark money right. when they're talking about conservative politics. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you're talking about more of like the Soros, Zuckerberg, that kind of thing. They use dark money. They use super PAC money. Is mostly yeah, what they PAC. use. That's yeah. most of it. And uh, some of it's untraceable. Some of it's traceable. Some of it's foreign money from the Chinese Communists and Russia. We can't stop it because an activist Supreme Court struck down state laws, state after state. Yeah. Like, like Alaska had a donor voter law, which says if you're a voter in Alaska, you can give money. But if you're a voter in California, you can't give money to influence no. Alaska elections. The people of Alaska passed it. They loved it. Supreme Court struck it down. So we want an amendment to give the people of Alaska and New Hampshire the power to put that back in their state law. What's the name of the group that's American American Promise. You can see us at AmericanPromise.net. You can get involved. We have 22 states already signed on asking Congress. Oh, great, great. 22 states have already signed on asking Congress, including New Hampshire, by the way, to send this uh, law back to the several states for ratification. It takes 38 states. We're looking to get up to 38. So anyone that wants to get involved in any state, uh, AmericanPromise.net. Can I ask you guys specific questions? Yes, sir. I, you, I think of like Dinesh D'Souza, right, for yeah. campaign finance. Yeah. So if you're a, if you're a super PAC, yeah. you can dump as much money as you want exactly. to. Exactly. But an individual. Exactly. So you're trying to stop that. Direct-to-candidate <laughs> money, there could be limits. So states yeah, can have yeah. limits on direct-to-candidates. So people with billionaires, billionaire types like Soros, Bloomberg, or, or you know, Adelson, Sheldon Sounds Adelson. like a good old boy network. If, if, you're, in, the, if, you're, in the, if you're in the network. If you're a billionaire. Yeah, yeah. You, there is no limit on the amount of money you can Ooh. put into dark money conduits and super PAC conduits. No limit. Especially in other states. In other states. And so if you happen to live in California and you'd like to see New Hampshire look more like California, you can do it now. <laughs> and we want to stop so it. So talk about the specific legislation and how it would stop that and what would be the result of that. Go ahead, Alan. Let me jump in. I, I, I want to answer that question, but I first want to say uh, I was a candidate 
I ran for, for Congress in the first district of Kansas, and it became a money issue. There are not enough hours in the day for a candidate to raise that direct to, con direct to candidate contributions. The maximum contribution will be, say, it's twenty four hundred dollars per yeah, person yeah, per yeah. cycle. There, are, if you if your election is going to cost a hundred million dollars, there aren't even enough people that are going to be voting for you to get max contributions. Yeah. So what it means you have to do is you have to find an independent expenditure committee or a super PAC, and then they can dump in the seventy five deficit, seventy five million dollar deficit yeah. that you've got in your race. But then you can't tell me that regardless of party, the seventy five million dollars they aren't asking for something. There's not a return on investment. And the most, the most important thing is, we can, if, if you don't know where the money's coming from, and trust me, we try to track it down, that money can and will be coming from foreign nations. Right no, now, absolutely. the yeah, CCP yeah, yeah. can fund as much into direct primaries. They can fund into ballot measures. They can put money into elections right now, and there's nothing a state can do. Right. Here's the mechanics of the amendment. We want to restore to the states and the federal legislature that, pa that, that ability that they used to have, the power to govern their own elections in terms of the financing of those elections. Yeah, you're not looking for federal law, you just want to give it back to we the don't, states. This, this is an amendment to simply just go back to the way that it was before, where the states set the policies regarding money. Yes, what district, you said your first district in Kansas, district what, Kansas. what does that cover, what, what county? All, uh, 60, 64 counties in western and central Kansas. Okay, well it's I'm the, from Kansas City, Kansas, that's why I was wanting to know, that's where we originally are from. <laughs> very no. nice. I came very close. It was the Republican primary. I came very close to winning that primary. And in the end, the major factor is how much money you can raise. Well, I like, Ellen, that you didn't stop the fight. You know, we, we're seeing this all over the place when it comes to CPAC. We see maybe future candidates, former candidates, but everybody I talk to is a part of an organization to make the country better. And when you've got a thing like this that's making the states more in control of their elections right. instead of that dark money, right. you guys hear it all the time and we wanted to bring you guys on to really get that hammered across. Yeah, American another, promise, everybody. Yeah, American promise. Well, I have another point because Republicans yeah. used to defend this dark money system because we were ahead. We were ahead of the game. When you look at the demography of the United States of America, the dark money, the super PAC money, the Dems are ahead, the, the left is ahead, about two to one. So they're outgunning us, and the demography of, of, of where the wealth is in the country is concentrated in New York and California. And, and if, they, if we continue to allow them to use this money to influence the outcome of policy and elections in states like ours all over the country, California and New York will rule us. And the yes. framers of our Constitution in this country most feared the concentration of power. They structured our government under our Constitution to divide power, checks and balances, subsequently added the Tenth Amendment, which yeah. put federalism in our Constitution. And, and those are there to protect us against concentrated power. The framers did not anticipate this huge sums of concentrated money yeah. impacting upon the rights of localities to, to govern their own affairs. I think of Georgia with yeah. the runoff election, Egg. with that dark money. $500 million. Okay, dollars. yeah. There's no way a local person can be involved in raising and controlling that. Yeah, where did all this money come from? This yeah. is Georgia. It did not come from Georgia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. talk about that. And they tried it in uh, um, Virginia. And, of course, you know, around the country we see this happening yeah. everywhere. And I think in Texas, too. Texas, is this is their play for Beto yeah. O'Rourke. This every, is their play. Yeah, every swing race. So Beto O'Rourke is not a Texas candidate. Yeah, go ahead if you're going to talk. They're yeah. criticizing Beto O'Rourke because this, this applies to both parties. It does. You hear about so, it on both so parties. The, the high bidder, the high bidder of the billionaire class and the people that control this oh, money yeah. pick the candidate. The candidate that, forgive me, is going to obey 
because there's so many millions. Well, they're beholden. With that much they're money, beholden. you're absolutely beholden. So the question for the voter then becomes, that candidate gets into office and someone put in $200 million to get them elected. They're going to listen to that person. Yeah. And it's why Congress is gridlocked and it's why we can't do things in the national interest. Can I, can I put that one? is that is what makes people so frustrated with the entire but, process. But we've got a solution to this. An American promise. We've got yes. an amendment to the 22 states have already signed on wanting Congress to get this amendment yeah. back to the 38 states for ratification. We're winning on this. It sounds like you, the Constitution is on your side. Well, it could be. In every way. No. we got to amend it. Go it ahead, is, Alan. So the decision yeah, right yeah, now, no, yeah. the decision right now to, to prohibit the states from setting reasonable limits, that was a court decision. That was a Supreme Court decision. Yeah. It was a sequence of decisions, but basically yeah. they painted themselves into a corner. I don't think they really realized they were talking about, you know, the the, 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 the Constitution must protect speech. And I understand that. But they said the, it, it was it was negligible, the amount of money that might come in from dark sources. It was more important to protect the free speech. Yes. Now, that is completely out the window. The last election cycle was over $15 billion. Over $15 billion. I'm telling you this next election cycle, the midterm election, not even a presidential election, I'm predicting that it will be a $30 billion election cycle. The, 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 you think the, it's going to be double for the midterm? I do. Oh, wow. There are so many executive offices, so many well, governorships, so many, so many retirements on the Hill. So every open seat yeah. becomes just the target for both sides to dump in tens of millions of dollars. And let me say one thing about the, being the, a candidate. The retirement thing, you got to stay on that point because it's over 30 for over the Democrats. Over 30 Democrats. That's, that's historic. Now these are open seats. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You're going to get money dumped into the primary. You're going to yeah. get so much more dumped into the general because now it's a, it's an available seat. It's an open seat. So it's it's just, it's a dangerous proposition. There's this there's nuclear arms race of spending. And let me say one thing about the, the candidate. Even the candidate that's brave and bold and goes there for the right reason, if they win because someone dropped in $50 million into the race, even if that person says, I'm not beholden to you, do you know what happens the next election cycle? That same money goes against that person. You're loyal or we will replace you. And we that's the rule. Obey or get primary. That's right. Yeah. Oh, my. And you got the unions a part of this. Start of course. Money. Of course. That's We talked a lot about that, too. And they got so big. They were never meant to get that big. And they're part of that because that same billionaire class you're talking about says, hey, unions, we need your support on this, and the money gets even darker. As this is written, as this is pres- not not prescribed, as this is, is it, we're putting this to the states. They have the right to say they can restrict the union money, just like corporate money. They can re- they can call for transparency of foreign money. They yes. can prohibit foreign money. It just gives the power back for them to do something, anything, to curb this this escalation of billions into every single cycle. Yes, that's right. And just to add one more thing. Yes, please do. The, the thing that Republicans used to hear from mouthpieces, billionaire mouthpieces, is billionaires ought to be able, under the First Amendment, to spend any sum of money they want to take over politics in my state of New Hampshire. Yeah. Under the First Amendment. That doesn't work anymore because it's killing federalism, and it's, it's basically silencing the voice of the voters in the district to control their own uh, policies. Yeah. Candidates. I am so glad you guys yeah. came on the show. Give websites, give any kind of contact anywhere. <laughs> AmericanPromise.net. AmericanPromise.net. And for candidates, we have a candidate pledge. Okay. Uh, log on. You can find the candidate pledge. Here at CPAC, there are so many candidates walking the floors. Yes. Every single one. And we've talked to dozens. Every single one immediately grabs onto this and says, where do I sign? Yep. I can't imagine they wouldn't because yep. you guys can support those guys. And, and, and Absolutely. Yeah. They sign up on our website. They get to make a little statement. We'll promote them. Yeah, the reason I get hyped up at this, guys, you know on the Buff Show, we talk about two major things for 2022. 
the election integrity and buying elections. These guys can help put a stop to that. We're going to put the links on thebuffshow.com. Sign up, support, and get involved. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We appreciate it. All right. God bless you. Yep. We'll be right back on the Buff Show. Since 2012, Cellulartronics has been providing Central Florida with the best phone repair, electronics repair, and computer repair. They fix all electronics from iPhone, Samsung, Sony, and many more. They also do TV repair and fix your tablets. Right now, you can get a glass back cover for the iPhone 8 to an iPhone X for only $95. iPhone 11 and up back covers are only $120. With one super convenient location, 31 South Charles Richard Beale Boulevard in DeBerry. Or call them at 386-516-6185. Visit Cellulartronics.com. Cellulartronics. Action Plus Pressure Cleaning is the official pressure washing company of The Buff Show. While Matt's doing the dirty work on the show, Action Plus Pressure Washing has been doing the dirty work for the last 15 years in Central Florida. They use a soft wash system to clean pool enclosures, driveways, pool decks, houses, and commercial property. They even clean large and small parking lots and buildings. Wow! Action Plus offers other services such as lawn maintenance, one-time service to weekly service, mowing, weeding, edging, and trimming, and hauling away debris. You can get more than one service, and they offer bundle pricing. Check out their weekly, bi-weekly, and monthly services for lawn maintenance and ask about their free standard two-driveway with house wash services. Family-owned and operated, get your free estimate at actionpluspressurecleaning.com or call 386-506-1048. That's 386-506-1048. Action Plus Pressure Cleaning. They aim to please. that makes this a bit more unusual. Harry, I am the last one to cover this story. Got deep into it. We realize our homeless feeding and drug rehabilitation programs don't always match eye to eye the dreams and vision of the city planners here in Leesburg. Sam, I ain't playing with you, man. You need to give me my money right now. Let me get you into a place. You need some help, Tony. Real help. <laughs> Things change. You have to run it tomorrow. No, not a chance. You're gonna have them leave today. You see it, you'll see it. I got 45 signatures right here, Mayor, against this proposal from my neighborhood. Let's stop this! Get your little man, come on! Oh, <laughs> All right, one more, one more. Ah! Ah! Mr. Caesar, that's by far the nicest thing anybody, black or white. Welcome to Hope. Welcome back to the Buff Show, AM 950, 94.9 FM, The Answer, Orlando, Matt Buff, your host, and that was the trailer to No Vacancy, this exciting movie that's coming out 
and it's based on a true story. You guys got to check it out. Joining us on the Buff Show Orlando Twitter or Twitch, you saw the preview on the radio, you heard it, but we're going to post the link on thebuffshow.com so you guys can see the trailer, get more information about the movie, but we're going to dive into this right now. Ron, why don't you uh, introduce us to the producer of the movie who is joining us on the Buff Show today? Yeah, it's my pleasure to introduce Art Iris, and to just say he's the producer of the movie is grossly inadequate. Art has accomplished so much. Uh, the Leesburg area, uh, um, to begin with, is massively changed because of the impact of the various ministries that he's been involved with. Um, beyond that, he runs Kingstone uh, Media, Kingstone Comics, uh, and uh, what he is doing is communi uh, communicating a life-changing message uh, to the world in ways that uh, really make great use of today's media and means of communication. And so it's just a pleasure for me to introduce Art. Art, welcome. Uh, joy to be here. Well, Art, let's jump right into the movie here. This is a true story, and that's what's uh, amazing. I love true stories, but this is a really special story starring Sean Young, right? Successful actress who starred in over 50 motion pictures and television episodes. Dean Kane, of course, everybody knows him from the adventures of Superman and as well as God's Not Dead. He, he was very convincing in God's Not Dead as well. And T.C. Stallings from the hit War Room. So you got quite an all-star cast here, Art. And uh, putting all this together had to be a great challenge, but a rewarding experience. It was. Um, I'd made another motion picture a few years ago and done a documentary. Both of them had done well. Um, the motion picture had won several film festivals, had been on national television, translated a lot of languages. But I really realized that my next move into the movie making business, it had, I had to have stars. And in the movie business, there's a it's called the three star formula. You need to have at least three stars, bankable stars. And so it was amazing, I will say, Matt, um, we went through quite of an ordeal. The casting director said, Art, because you're giving a lead to a, an older woman, she, she said, you're going to be inundated. And she was right. We, were, we had 1,400 stars that applied for the lead role of the female. Uh, the top 30 were just incredible. I was just blown away. But we landed on Sean Young, who did an amazing job. And so the interesting thing was Sean and Dean and TC was just not only their individual acting ability, but the way they synergize to powerfully and emotively tell the story. So talk about the story of no vacancy, because it is a true story about an event that happened really close to home here. Uh, very close to home. It's a church where I attend, a church I've been a part, been a part of the leadership for years. We, um, it was just amazing. It's really a chronicling of what God did here. Um, our church made an unusual decision several years ago under a former pastor that we decided to not build a new sanctuary, but instead we were going to take that money invested in the needs of our community. And so we gave up, we forgo, we, we for, went, forgot going to, into a new worship center and we, we built this incredible ministry complex. Uh, the movie itself is actually based on a hotel that motel rather that we purchased. Um, the ABC affiliate channel nine has been over here like eight times to do stories on it. Um, number been a lot of press nationally, even locally. But we really realized that if we're going to address the, the you know, the, the glaring problems of drug addiction, alcohol addiction, teen pregnancy, you know, the problems that we have with homelessness, we had to address them at the local community level. And uh, and basically this movie is a chronicling of that of that process 
but then what but the i'm not gonna give it away but the the miracle that happens at the end of the movie it blows everybody away because we we made a decision to not build a church to take care of needy people, but how God changed the tables on us. It's an incredible story. And I also say that one of the main characters, the, the, the black gentleman in there was a personal friend of mine and I knew him intimately personally. He was a great guy, solid, solid guy that had an amazing turnaround. When he came to us, he was addicted to crack. He weighed 137 pounds, but then as a movie, ends you'll see the transformation in his life and how he just became a man of of great influence here in lake county ron this movie really got your attention but also the production from kingstone is just amazing yeah um i was attracted to kingstone uh, a couple years back i met art some years ago when um kingstone was just a, a a fledgling business um uh and uh you know the idea that comic books uh could be used to communicate uh, scriptural teaching, to communicate the gospel and so on. You know, it's interesting. I thought it would uh, reach a certain age group, you know, maybe, uh, maybe um, you know, um, middle school boys and so on, and, and maybe even high school. But I will tell you what, the power of communicating the message in comics is incredible. And um, now that Kingstone has gone way beyond that uh, to not only producing the entire Bible uh, as a comic book or a comic book graphic novel format, I guess would be a more modern way to say it, but producing these movies. This is incredibly powerful and Art has his finger on the pulse of what is going on in the nation today, in the world, frankly. And um, one of the things that struck me was uh, the use of the mediums that uh, art is using are mediums where so much of it is graphical that translating into another language and reaching people around the world uh, in other language groups is much, much easier. And it communicates so powerfully. So in a comic book format, I mean, uh, it's maybe, uh, art can correct me, but maybe it's one-sixth the effort to do the translation. Um, and uh, it's just uh, phenomenal because you don't have to translate the pictures. If you're translating the Bible into another language, uh, it's just uh, um, it's it's significantly easier. Um, but at any rate, I'll be happy to turn things over to Art and have him speak a bit about this. Sure. Basically, when we started Kingstone, and you know, we went through the struggles that everybody goes, you know, getting. Re- raising capital, putting together your team, putting together, building a business. But God was very gracious to us. But we had a very clear vision from the very beginning uh, to build the marvel of the faith market that basically comics, film and animation. And we do have some animation that we're in the process of working on. But we also realized that uh, motion picture is going to have to be a part of it. And uh, basically, we built a, a large IP library. We do have the most complete graphic adaptation of scripture, as Ron said. Uh, this Easter, we're releasing uh, an uh, apologetics handbook of simplified apologetics called 101 Questions About the Bible and Christianity. But we'd like to come alongside the church to be able to support. And then, of course, we have other comics, graphic novels, but mm. everything is really ensconced with a biblical worldview. And the other thing I will say, too, um, to what Ron said, uh, and I appreciate Ron saying that, is almost all of our artists have worked with Marvel and DC or Dark Horse or Image Comics because we really 
with a company, we, we maintain a high level of quality. You know, if, I feel like if we do it for Christ, it's got to, it's got to be the very best that we can afford to, to put out there. So, I mean, most of the people <laughs> look, at our, look at our Bible and they're blown away. But the reason is I don't feel like I'm competing against Christian publishers. I'm competing against Marvel and DC because when they put down and look at Superman and they have Kingstone beside it, I want there to be no appreciable difference in quality. And so that's really what we strive for. No, that's absolutely true. If you're watching this right behind art on the wall there, you can see some phenomenal artwork that you've done. Um, it's no coincidence that your name is Art. <laughs> I get that a lot. I get that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So no vacancy. The production quality, as you saw in the trailer, everybody, and, and it just looks like a phenomenal movie. And, and the fact that it's a true story is great. I mean, you formed several partnerships within the community. When is the release date? How can people get a hold of this movie? What, where can they go? Great, great questions. Uh, you know, we're deep in distribution. Con we, we felt we screened the movie for distributors in Nashville about four weeks ago and had an overwhelming response. So we're going through all of the offers. Uh, we did get an offer to go into theaters. We're going to be in several hundred theaters May 9th, uh, March 25th. The tickets go on sale at fathomevents.com and they can visit us at Kingstone Studios and we'll they can get on our email list or if they want to go to a pastor screening, they can email me directly. Uh, but we are what we're doing is we're setting up pastor screenings across the U.S. and all of these cities where the movie is going to be playing, because we really feel like this is a message that is very strong for the church. It is a message we feel like will appeal to people you know, outside the church, obviously. But we really feel like it's something that really that churches can get behind. Uh, you know, there's so many movies that abuse God's name and mock his righteousness. And this is a movie that basically is just chronicling what God did here in a little town in Leesburg. And uh, we just wanted to make it as a motion picture to, sh to show the quality. And uh, we're seeing a lot of signs of God's hands on it. And that I rejoice. Well, that's amazing. Art Iris, thank you so much for joining us. Ron Perry, we're going to post the links to the movie everywhere. We can't wait to see it ourselves. It's going to be awesome. All right. Thank you. Good to be All with right. you guys. Yeah, great to be with you too. Everybody check this out. It's going to be awesome. You guys stay with us. We'll be right back on the bus show. Motorcom. You heard about the simple math with a solar electric system earlier in the show. Not all homes qualify. An energy evaluation by a qualified professional to get the fully informed information is always recommended. If your home qualifies, solar is always a prudent financial move. All Solar Energy in Longwood has been educating homeowners, roofing companies, property management firms, and now radio hosts about solar for 22 years. We have experts to perform no cost, no obligation energy evaluations to see if your home qualifies and explain the simple math of solar. Call All Solar Energy tomorrow at 866-412-4218 or visit the website www.allsolarenergy.com. Let them know you heard about it from me, Matt Buff, on The Buff Show. Veritas Tactical, Tactical, a family and law enforcement owned company where you can get custom built ARs with purpose built precision. They have a full line of handguns like Glock, Sig Sauer, Smith & Wesson and get your everyday carry items and accessories. Moreover, they are your Liberty Safe dealer. Need training? Veritas Tactical has all you need from getting your CCW to advanced tactical courses, female survival courses and force on force scenarios. Veritas Tactical has a full time gunsmith on site, Sarah coding services, laser 
engraving, and more. Mention The Buff Show and get a $25 discount on courses. You'll find Veritas Tactical at 207 North Goldenrod Road, Suite 200 in Orlando. Contact Veritas Tactical, 407-309-3000, 407-309-3000, and at VeritasTactical.com. Veritas Tactical. Welcome back to the Buff Show. Heading into our final segment today, we are going off the grid by talking about the grid. Ron Perry is very interested in this next topic. So, Ron, you had to stick around for this one. This is going to be quite amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been concerned about uh, the stability and the fragility of the grid for many years. Uh, And uh, uh, I'm really excited to be interviewing our next guest uh, because I think this is for many people, an incipient problem, a problem under the radar that they don't realize how substantial and significant the risk is. Uh, You get surprised when your power goes out in a storm and it's down for a couple of days. Uh, But uh, what uh, we'll be talking about is that the risk could be much greater than that and the time frame is much longer. Uh, So anyway, back to you, Matt. <laughs> We're going to bring on Michael Maybe. He's an author. He's the author of the Civil Defense book and is a combat veteran, retired U.S. Army uh, Command Sergeant Major. And Mike's one of the nation's most well informed researchers when it comes to grid security and a leading member of the bipartisan Secure the Grid Coalition. Big problem in America. Mike, great to have you on the show. Hey, it's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, we saw the uh, big story on 60 Minutes in February where they really tackled this. And so we got with Jefferson and all those guys and said, we got to get Michael on the show to talk about this because, you know, not like we don't have enough problems going on right now. But when it comes to the grid security, tell us what you're seeing and what you've seen, what you've seen and what needs to be done. Absolutely. So the federal government and the electric utility industry have known for decades about the threats to the electric grid. We've known since 1981 about the threat of physical attacks against the electric grid. We've known since 1990 about the threat of geomagnetic disturbance. We've known since the early 70s about the threat of electromagnetic pulse. And we've known since at least 2003 that the Russians and Chinese comfortably reside within the electric grid capable of cyber attacks. In fact, Uh, Secretary of Energy Jennifer Granholm just said a year ago that our adversaries have the capability of taking down the electric grid via a cyber attack. So we've known about these threats for decades, yet here we are in 2021 facing the same threats and having done relatively little to mitigate them. Well, carried on over to 2022 as well. Yeah. Ron, with these, uh, with what we're doing with this Ukraine-Russia war, um, you, with Vladimir Putin, right? When we're sending javelins, we're sending missiles. Uh, how much we engage, they might retaliate by what Michael's talking about. It might yeah, be no, a no grid question. issue, just like we saw with the fuel. This might be a grid issue, and like Michael said, we're still vulnerable here. Yeah, no question. And plus, it's possible that they could do it in such a way that uh, their fingerprints are not on the attack so that we could have significant outages, ransomware attacks. We could have any number of issues. 
And uh, you have control centers right now that are automated. Uh, and, uh, and some of them, I'm afraid, connected to the internet, maybe more than that. Uh, and so the, uh, the potential for this to get screwed up uh, and really impact our lives, uh, I think is quite substantial. But I, I'd rather hear from Michael at this point and his insights. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to actually tell you about something that um, we've recently discovered, which is really scary. And the American people don't know about this yet. But, um, you know, in addition to the Russians, who we know were involved in solar winds, you know, which was a, a major uh, cyber attack. Mm -hmm. Um, recently. Also, we have to worry about the People's Republic of China, which has, you know, uh, lately been kind of one of Putin's allies in, in what he's doing in, in Ukraine. Now, the interesting thing that we found out is we are importing um, hundreds and hundreds of large transformers from China, as well as millions of inverters and smart meters from China to install on the electric grid that the Chinese are already hacking. Now, that does not make any sense to anybody I've talked to, and yet we are allowing that to go on. There is no requirement right now. And remember, the electric grid isn't just one thing or one company. It's 3,000 different um, entities, both public and private sector, involved in the generation, transmission, and distribution of electric power. And these companies are perfectly uh, able to go to the People's Republic of China buy equipment, install it onto the electric grid, and there are no requirements that anybody check any of this equipment. So we're making ourselves more, more vulnerable by installing equipment, you know, manufactured by an adversary that's already hacking us. Um, you know, just to give you an example of, of how, you know, vulnerable we've made ourselves to a cyber attack, both from China and Russia. And, you know, by the way, we still have to worry about North Korea, Iran, as well as uh, criminal gangs and terrorists. Well, Mike, I noticed that on the 60 Minute special, they went down to like Fort Worth and a couple other places down in Texas and, and, and other places. When you talk about the 3,000 different locations, how is one country supposed to protect all those when they have those individual rights to do what they want with that grid? How do we get everybody on the same page? To well, what them? we have, yeah, and that's a great question. And that's the key question. How do we fix this? And really, there's only one way to do it. Right now, there is no requirement that these 3,000 different companies that own or operate little pieces of the electric grid do anything to protect against known threats. Um, what has to happen is Congress has got to mandate that all companies in the elect critical electric infrastructure take reasonably prudent steps to protect, you know, their equipment and their operations from known threats. There's got to be a requirement as a baseline. Right now, there is no requirement. And actually, there is no government agency in charge as, uh, you know, Bill Whitaker uh, was able to make very, very apparent in the 60 Minutes piece. Well, we talked about this before the show, Ron, um, in our little pre-interview where we talked about nobody's going to stop plugging things in. Um, in fact, they want to plug in more things like electric cars and things yeah. like that, which they don't understand requires a power company by fossil fuels. But um, the more we plug in, the more technology we have. Uh, Ron, you're an electrical engineer. Um, we don't want government overreach. We don't want too much government, but this seems like something worth protecting. 
Uh, no question. I mean, one of the real problems you've got is that by the time regulation gets put in place and actually starts getting implemented, um, we could already have suffered a cyber attack, as many of them. And the amount of time to bring sections of the grid back up can be pretty substantial, particularly if you're dealing with software issue. I was in a control center uh, in New Jersey some years back, and they were dealing with a power outage. And in order to bring back a section of the grid, you have to deal with um, uh, issues. The underground wiring has uh, certain requirements that are a little bit different when it's above ground. There's a capacitance you have to deal with um, that makes it more difficult. You have to match frequencies. You have to do any number of other things so that it is exactly right. Now, they're doing it fine in a stable environment. But when everything's changing, and if the cyber attack begins, uh, stops, and then begins again as you're trying to bring things back up, uh, this could be a nightmare scenario. And this could indeed be the way that World War III is fought, at least in any initial stages. Hopefully, we never see that. Uh, but I think people have to be uh, I, I think uh, what STG is doing is phenomenal. I think uh, that um, uh, at this point, um, the critical item is making sure that the people who are responsible for the 30,000 different uh, entities uh, have this as their top priority. I don't know if that's going to be possible to do. Well, Michael, I know you want to comment on that, but also we saw when, when it hit the gas line, when, when the cyber attack happened on the gas line, that caused major distraction in one part of the, or disruption in one part of the country for a way long time. I mean, that was just a little cyber attack. Right. And, and, and there's a couple of things, you know, first of all, um, cyber attacks can also damage equipment. And we saw that in the Stuxnet attack, yeah. which of course we deny having anything to do with, but for those who don't remember Stuxnet, that was a cyber attack visited upon Iran's nuclear program that caused their uh, centrifuges to basically blow themselves up through a cyber attack. So a cyber attack can actually damage equipment. And there's a known vulnerability um, in our electric grid known as the Aurora vulnerability, which we've known about for years that can damage equipment, um, yet nothing's been done uh, to mitigate this unless, you know, uh, some of the 3,000 companies in the electric grid just took it upon themselves to do it, but there's no requirement. Um, and in terms of, you know, the accountability, you know, so when people die, who's going to be accountable for it? All we need to do is take a look at last year in Texas, where, you know, the Texas grid, um, you know, we saw the cold weather coming a week ahead of time. And this was a repeat incident. The exact same thing happened in 1989 and in 2011 where cold weather came through and the Texas grid collapsed. So last year when that happened, 256 people at a minimum, that's, you know, according to the state of Texas, 256 people died. Most of them died of um, uh, hypothermia, carbon monoxide poisoning, failure of home medical equipment, uh, things, you know, that you can directly relate to the loss of the electric grid. And who's been held accountable for that? Nobody, even though, you know, it was a repeat offense. You know, it had happened before and hadn't been fixed. And, um, you know, the neither the you know politicians nor the electric utility industry ever fixed it after the first two times. So there is a lack of uh, transparency and accountability um, right now with the electric grid that I think is hampering our efforts 
you know, to see whether the government and the industry is doing enough to protect the grid. I want everybody to check out securethegrid.com. Lots of great information on there. Michael, are you guys lobbying? What are you doing with Congress on this? Um, well, it, it's I don't, I don't lobby. I'm just a regular citizen, so I don't have enough, enough money to lobby. But what I do is I research and I find out what the issues are and then try to put them out to the public so that the public can talk with their representatives and their senators. And that's what needs to happen. The only way we're going to fix this is for you know people to stand up, talk to their elected officials, whether you voted for them or not, they still represent you. And you need to hold them accountable for protecting your family and protecting the nation's electric grid. Michael Maybe, thank you so much for bringing this information to us. Securethegrid.com. Everybody check out the book, The Civil Defense. We're going to post all this on thebuffshow.com. Ron, thank you so much for joining us as well on The Buff Show. We'll see you next time on The Buff Show. You guys stay smart.